Good morning, church. How we doing? Hey, it is great to worship in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Caleb, Keith, and Sherry, I thank you so much for leading us into worship and into the presence of God. Hey, so if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, or you're new to New City Edgerton, my name is Ben White. I am the campus pastor here at our Edgerton campus. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, and we are so glad to have you. Uh, If you haven't been with us or you were gone last week or you're watching online, uh, we are in week two of our Seek series, and and this week we're talking about from God, right? So so our Seek series is is from God two through four. And so this week we're focusing on everything from God. I want to start off by saying and reminding you guys is that that when convinced that all we have comes from God, we have nothing but to establish convictions on what to do with all we have. Amen? We can't help but establish convictions based on what we have and who's giving it to us. And so so with that being said, you're 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 getting a ministry plan handed out to you by, by Tina, and I, and I want to direct you to a couple of things. On page one, paragraph two, after our seek verse, Matthew nine thirty six, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. This has been our seek verse for this past year. It's our seek verse going into 2024. And, and, and you'll notice on page one, paragraph two is, is part of our strategy in reaching the distressed and the dejected in our area is coming up with a biblical clinical counseling center. This is something cool that, that Mike Grubbs and, and Pastor Matt have been, been praying through and working through, and, and Matt allowed the campus pastors to kind of speak into what this would look like at a global level, but also on a local level. And so here's what it's going to look like is, is we are going to have a counselor on payroll based up in Shawnee, but we're also going to have counselors for every new city campus. Right? And so because there are things and there are issues in your life and there are struggles that, that even though I'm a pastor, I cannot help you with. Or you need, you need a, a, a different type of expert to help you. And so this, this is providing that expert. It's something I'm super excited about and, and I can't wait to see what happens with it. I also want to direct you to page 5 of our ministry plan, and this is, this is Kid City. Uh, if you've never been downstairs in Kid City, Alicia and her team have done an excellent job building that place out. It looks like something that like you just wanna hang out in forever. It's got all the games, the toys, everything you could ever want. Um, I did see hot chocolate down there too, so I'm not sure if they're doing something with that, but that sounds amazing. But Alicia and her team this past year have accomplished so much for New City Edgerton. Man, they've been reaching out to parents. They've been getting people involved in serving. They've been welcoming new kiddos. We've done baby dedications. And, and, and it is amazing. They've done orange conferences where they've, where they've been grown and equipped to keep doing the ministry. And in 2024, they're going to do a whole lot more. I started with Kids City, so, so my ministry background is I started in kids before I became a lead pastor, right? And so, like, way back when, at kids was what I, like, I, I loved hanging out with them. They're, they're smart. They're snarky. They, they call it like it is. Uh, and, and there's nothing like hanging out with a kid to let you know just how messed up you are. 
right? And I say that because kids pick up on everything. They pick up on how I love my wife or, or how I talk to, to this person and how my wife loves me and the words that we're saying. They pick up on everything. And so this, this year, Alicia is planning with her team to build out Kids City even more. And what they're going to do is they're going to continue to encourage and lead kids and their families to trust in and live like Jesus. That's the base of what new... Kid City is all about. She's going to equip team members, provide opportunities for them. And, and the thing that I'm most excited about is in next year, next July, is they're going to be hosting a three-day VBS. Amen? Like, if you're not excited about that, you must not have ever gone to a VBS before because they are off the hook. Right? And this gives us an opportunity to reach kids and to reach families that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ in their life. And I am so excited about the opportunity. Right. The next thing I want to do is I want to bring your attention to page 12. Page 11, I lied. Page 11. We are also getting ready to launch our new city, Olathe campus. We are ascending church. This is what it means, is we get to go and be a part of the kingdom of God wherever the kingdom of God is moving. Amen, church? And if this does not get you excited, I want to challenge you, right? And this has been a challenge for me because as a pastor and being under somebody, I'm being called to raise numbers and get people to come to the church, but I'm also part of the Great Commission, where Jesus says, hey, go out into all the nations, go out into the cities, go out into the, the neighborhoods, and tell people about me. Disciple them, teach them to be obedient to all that I have commanded you to do. So what we're looking for, for our new city Olathe launch, from Edgerton specifically, is for two more families. Alicia, raise your hand. If you don't know Alicia, she's right back there. She's launching with her husband Daniel and their family, New City Olathe, with Jonathan Bissick and his wife Jen. And so here's what we're looking for, is two families or four individuals to commit to going to New City Olathe with them. Okay, this could be a 12-month, hey, I, I, I'm going to give you my support for 52 weeks, and then I'm coming back to New City Edgerton. Or this could be something where you've really been wrestling and you think, man, I, I really believe God's calling me to take that step of faith and walk obediently and go with you to New City Olathe. I love the city. I don't know what it looks like, but I want to help. And if this is you, I, I want you to make it a point to talk to Daniel, talk to Alicia, send Daniel a text. He decided to take the day off so he could watch the Chiefs game. Daniel, if you're watching online, I did just call you up. But talk to Alicia. Man, she would love to have you come and support her. Don't talk to me about it because I'm going to do and say anything and everything that I can to keep you here, okay? I'm just being real. We're calling a spade a spade. I want you to stay, but if God's calling you to go, I want you to go even more. The last thing I want us to do is I want to take your attention to page 12. And you say, all right, so how are we like, what, what, what's the big deal here, right? So, so we are going to raise, as a church, $71,669 to fully fund our SEEK 2024 ministry plans. Okay, and, and, and what's cool about this, this is a one-time gift I'm going to be asking you guys to make, and it... It goes to fund our ministry plan, which is a totally separate budget from our 
facility and maintenance budget. Which means even to get you excited, I mean, I don't want to see the building close and we're not there yet. And that's a whole different conversation. But I want to see the work of God come and move in Edgerton and in Gardner and in Baldwin and Wellsville and Spring Hill. So you were also given a little sheet like this. It's a square piece of paper. And this is what we're asking. Right? My ask of you today, I'm going to start low this week. I started high last week. People got freaked out when I started out with $10,000. And they were like, oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. But what we're looking for is four families or individuals to give $250. I want to remind you, this is a one-time gift. I'm not asking you to give this every week. Um, Unless the Lord puts it on your heart too. Then we're looking at four families or individuals. Do we have that slide to put up? It disappeared. It disappeared. Perfect. So everybody's going to have to look at their card. We're looking at four families or individuals to give $500. We're looking at 14 families or individuals to give $1,000. I want four families or individuals to give $2,500. I want five families or individuals to give $5,000. And I want two families or individuals to give $10,000. And you look at that list and you say, Pastor Ben, you must be out of your mind if you think I have $10,000 in my bank account. And I would probably say, yeah, I don't even have that, right? But what I'm asking you to do, and the ask for the next week and last week was to go and see what we do have and take account and lay it at Jesus' feet and say, hey, here's what I have. What do you want me to do with it? Right? I'm not here to tell you how to manage your money. I'm here to present the Bible to you. And from the Bible, I want you to establish your own convictions on, hey, this is everything that I have. And everything that I have is from Jesus. So I want to steward it well. Amen. However, um, I, was, I was talking with my dad last week. Uh, th- this is my second opportunity now to, to talk about money. And, and it's... On, on a stage. I, I've done missionary support raising and, and things like that and individual ass of people. But one of the things he talked about was, was whether giving should hurt or not and whether generosity should hurt or not, right? And, and last week I did say, hey, man, I, I want this to hurt a little. I don't want it to hurt and break the budget to where you can't pay the mortgage, but I, I want it, I, I, I want your faith to be kind of challenged here, right? So the, the past couple years, me and Hannah have, have given well within our means. And, and this year, I felt God say, hey, I want, you to, I want you to step out, stretch your faith a little bit, and give a little more. And then he kept asking me to give a little more and give a little more. And then we finally landed on a number, and Hannah was like, you must be out of your mind. And I was like, I am out of my mind, but this is what God's calling us to give. Right? And so, so we wrestled with it. I want you to wrestle with it. Wrestle with your spouse, wrestle with God, and wrestle like, hey, is this actually what you're calling me to give, and am I comfortable giving this? Because, and here's the heart behind it, guys, like, I want our ministry plan to be funded, and I believe it is going to be, but I want so much more for you to establish biblical convictions and grow your faith in generosity than have a fully funded ministry plan. Because I care more about the heart than your wallet. And I'm going to constantly remind you about that. I'm, I'm going to do my best to remind myself about that. And, and here's why. And this is what we're, we're talking about today is because there is a direct link 
between my attitude toward God and how I manage all that I have. Right? And so I want you to think about your, your favorite object or thing in the whole world. Right? It might be a motorcycle. It could be a gun. It could be a car. It could be a cell phone. But I want you to think about it. And then I want you to think about when you first got that thing and probably how you treat it now is, is you have a little bubble of protection around it. Right? Nobody else is allowed to touch your bike or your gun or anything else. Nobody else is allowed to tell you how to do anything with your bike or your gun or how to clean it or anything. Like, you are well enough equipped to know how to take care of whatever object you have placed in this five-foot bubble of protection. And you do whatever you can for it. My challenge to you is, and as we go into to our passage, we're going to be in 1 Chronicles 29, 10, is have you put God in a bubble and said, hey, God, this is all that you can do, and I'm going to put you in a five-foot bubble, and you're only allowed to expand to fit that five-foot bubble? Or have you allowed God to put you in a bubble and say, hey, Ben, or hey, hey Jeremy, I, I've got your life. I'm going to put this, you in this bubble, and I'm going to move you as I will, and I'm going to direct you as I will, and, and all I'm asking for you to do is trust me and obey me. Because of that direct link between our attitude toward God and how we manage. If I don't trust God enough, I'm not going to allow him to do anything with my life. Amen? Right? It's like when you're first getting to, to know your parents and and you think they're all cool, and then, and then something happens to where your dad misses something, or your mom misses something, and there, if something causes you to, to slip or to like, man, I don't know if my parents can do everything now, or I don't know if, if mom can, can really do all that she says, or like when your mom, my mom is a great cook, but like there are some meals that she just can't cook, Right? If she cooks, and I know that that meal is on the menu, I'm not going to trust my mom to deliver an A-plus meal, all right? She's probably watching this too, and I'll get a text afterwards saying, you better, you better trust me. But there is a direct link to that meal that changes my attitude towards my mom, right? Just like there is a direct link from my wallet and my heart that changes how I think about God. So this week's passage, we're going to be in 1 Chronicles 29. It says, Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and your rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. 
Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here, offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people. And direct their hearts towards you. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, performing all, and that he may build the palace for which you have made, for which I have made provision. There's a lot there, and we're going to break it down into a couple sections. But first, I, I want to address the therefore in this passage. So verse 10 says, therefore. David blessed. And if you look back to verses 1 through 9, it, it shows why David blessed God, right? And so it's this heart of David provided thousands and thousands and thousands of talents of gold, of stone, of, of all of his riches. He gave freely and back to God to build the temple of God. So David is nearing the end of his life. He's trying to set Solomon up to build the temple. This is something that David desperately wanted to do. But because David was a man of war, God said, hey, your, heart's, your heart and your hand is full of blood. And that's nothing against you because I led you there and I told you to conquer all these nations. But I can't have you build my house. And so David set Solomon up, his son, to build the temple. And in verses 1 through 9, we see the, the, ref, the reflection of the generous heart that David exhibited and how the people followed his example. All right? So verses 2 to 3, I think I'll read it to you guys. It's a lot, but um, I think it deserves reading. Let me pull it up here. I had it pulled up, and I'm, I apologize. So First Chronicles 29, 1 through 9. I'm going to fly through this because there's a lot, and, and then we'll break it down from there. It says, And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon, my son, who God alone has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, for the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord God. So I provided for the house of my God, so far as I was able, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, and the woods for the thing of wood, besides great quantities of onyx and stone and setting for setting antimony, colored stones, all sorts of precious stones and marble. Moreover, in addition to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have treasure of my own of gold and silver, and because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. 3,000 talents of gold, which last, last week, if you were with us or you watched online, a talent is about 20 years worth of wages. David just gave 3,000 talents, which means David wouldn't have had to work for like 14 million years based on that. Yeah, good math. It's, it's there. You can test me on it, but it's there. Of the gold of Ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the house and for all the work to be done by craftsmen, gold for the things of gold and silver for the things of silver, who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself 
today to the Lord. So this, this is the challenge. David's talking to the whole assembly and he says, hey, I've gone. This is all that I've given. This is the generosity that I've given out of my heart. Are you going to follow my example? And in verse 6 it says, Then the leaders of the father's houses made their free will offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of thousands and of the hundreds, and the officers over the king's work. And after they had given, then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly. For with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord, and David the king also greatly rejoiced. I'm not here up on stage week after week for the next four weeks to twist your arm in order to give something to God. Because you're going to grow up hating God and you're going to grow up hating me. And I could care less if you hate me, but I could care all the more what your attitude towards God is. But David gave. And so I, I, as I prayed and I talked with the leadership team, I, I, one of the, the principles we have at New City Church is leaders go first. And as leaders, uh, as part of the leadership team, our, our ministry leaders, we've given $9,000 total to the, to the work of SEEK thus far, right? To fully fund our ministry plan, which is about 12.5% of what our ministry plan is. And so here's the ask going forward, is what can you give freely and willingly? I want you to give. When I practiced on Thursday, I I was begging empty seats to join in to the work of the ministry that New City is doing here in Edgerton, right? And I was pleading with them, and it almost came across like it was a money grab. But I want you to give. And I want you to be a part, and I don't want you to miss out. Because it's not, hey, I've given $2,500, so I'm closer to Jesus than you are. It's, I've given $2,500, or I've given $500, because that's the number that God put on my heart. And, and now I'm serving with my time, and I'm actually invested in the ministry that God's doing, and I want to be a part of it. I mean, you look at our ministry plan, and it's full of cool and awesome things. And then I look at it, and I'm like, man, I didn't have a say in this. I didn't have a say in that. I didn't, and like, not that I need a say. I'm not that important. But if, like, if you want a say in what we do in 2024, the two easiest ways are to invest your time and your gifts into what New City's already doing, right? If, if you say, hey, man, I really want donuts every Sunday, and you go up to Tina and say, hey, why don't we have donuts every Sunday? Tina's like, hey. I don't even know your name. I want to know. Actually, Tina knows everybody. So Tina will be like, hey, listen, here's why we don't do donuts, but hey, here's what we're looking for in 2024 is we're going to do some sort of, some sort of thing. And, and here's, here's why I say that is because, man, when, when we dive in and we use our time, talent, and treasure like we talked about last week, there's buy-in with that. I don't give my time to just anybody. I don't give my gifts and abilities. I could be preaching anywhere, but I chose to preach here. I don't give my money to just anything. Like, we, we live off of a budget, and we're really, uh, Hannah thinks we're too strict. I disagree. I think we're still a little too loose, and, and we fight about that. But, like, I, I don't just give my time, my talent, and my treasure to anybody. Right? And so that's, 
That's why the therefore is there in, in verse 10 is because David realized, and if you read any of the Psalms like this is crazy, like God is David's one focus 90% of the time. And then there's like this 10% where David's like, hey, I, I need a little bit of help. I, I want you to come and save me, God. But then he goes right. We see this admonition and, and remembrance of of God, where David says, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. I have never, as of yet, been able to to praise that boldly to God. I'm able to give him some of my worship, and I'm working on giving him more, and I was convicted of that even this morning. But, but we, we see and we realize that the reason that David was so extremely generous in verses 1 through 9 was because he extremely worshipped God. We're not generous with things we don't love. Or two people we don't love, right? So, like, I asked you to think about that one object, excuse me, that you love and, and that you put this five-foot bubble around, and, and we don't go and spend all of our money on time on things that do not matter to that specific object, right? So, like, if I love the Chiefs, and if you're at home watching the Chiefs instead of at church, we'll talk about that next week, I hope they're winning. I haven't checked the scores. But if I love the Chiefs, I'm not going to go out and buy a Raiders jersey. I'm not going to go out and buy a Josh Allen autograph signed football. Right? I'm going to go out and I'm going to try my best to find the best price and the best deal for a Patrick Mahomes autograph football and a Travis Kelsey or Taylor Swift 87 jersey. Right? Because I love the Chiefs. And I want to support them. Right? I'm not that big in NFL football, but college football. Um, LSU lost last week, but, or this past Saturday. But like, even then, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go find something LSU, a decal, whatever, because I love LSU. And I've got heartstrings tied to that. And in verses 10 and 13, we see where David's heartstrings are tied to. We see that they are tied to the God, and David recognizes it's the God that gave him everything. Like there is not one thing that David had that couldn't be brought back to God. And here's my challenge for us this morning too, is that worship doesn't have to be heavy. Like if you're wrestling through something and God's working on your heart like yeah like let the heaviness be there and, and sit in but but if you're not I would challenge you like where where is your joy when it comes to worship right one of the one of my favorite worship artists is is a guy named Brandon Lake um, and, and Brandon I, I I follow him quite a bit um he sings with Maverick City and Elevation Worship. He's got this song called Praise You Anywhere. I'll have the lyrics on the screen. I thought about having Caleb sing it, but I'll just walk you through the lyrics because I don't sing. Um, 
but it says sometimes you've got to dance through the darkness and sing through the fire and praise when it don't make sense. Don't get mad at the grammar. It's, it's correct. Sometimes you've got to stare down the giant and worship from the lion's den. Sometimes you've got to shout it from the mountain and louder in the valley, trusting that he's going to get you there. And sometimes you've got to welcome the wonder and wait for the answer and worship with your hands in the air. And the, the, the chorus is, I'll praise you anywhere. Praise, give him praise, give him praise. In my highest grace, give him praise, give him praise. In my highest, he is worthy. Yes, he is worthy of all praise. Brandon encompasses this spirit that David had that says, dude, I don't even care if I'm about to be killed by my son or by the guy who's supposed to be king and I've done nothing wrong against, I'm going to give you praise. God, I don't care if I'm stuck in a cave for the rest of my life when you said I'm going to be king or I'm, I'm on king and I, or I am king and I'm on cloud nine. Like I am going to give you praise because he's worthy, right? I don't have very many things in my life that are worthy of full praise, do you? Right? I love my son. I love my wife. But at the end of the day, they're not saving me. I love my son and my wife and my house and all my stuff. But at the end of the day, it's gone anyway. And 100 years from now, they're not going to remember me. And my son will probably be dead just as I will be dead. So what are we ascribing are praise to today, church. And are we willing to fully worship God with, with no other strings attached other than our heart to his and say, Father, I just want you to give me your heart. I want to know the desires of your heart and I want to love you with my whole heart because I understand that everything I have comes from you, right? And this is echoed in Psalm 24. David is echoing what he wrote, and it's also echoed in the New Testament, which is awesome too. I love it when scripture does this, but Psalm 24, one through two says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. David understood, even before all the riches that he had, and even before he was this great and mighty king, he was God's made in the image of Christ, and that nothing on the face of the planet could be his because it was already God's. And this is echoed again in John 1, 3, where it says, all things were made through him, Jesus, and without Jesus was... We don't really acknowledge him for everything that we have. One of my least favorite verses in the Bible right now is John 15, 5, and it says... Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I was praying through that this morning, and, and a lot this week, and I hate that. 
because I want to be able to do stuff and I want to be able to say, hey, this is all that I've made and look at all my wealth and look at all this cool stuff that I have. And then I have to remember John 1, 3 where it says all things were made by Jesus and I'm stuck. He said, I can't have a cool house because it's God's house first. He's given it to me. He's rented it to me, right? But at the end of the day, he's going to take it back because I'm going to be in heaven. We have an amazing church building that other people poured into that now we get to, to worship in and, and commune in. But at the end of the day, it's still God's building, right? We have amazing TVs where we can watch scripture and, and watch the chiefs all at the same time. And at the end of the day, it's still God's TV. You say, God, they, they didn't have that kind of technology in the Bible days. God made humans. Right? And, and so when we go throughout life, like we can't have this cre- creator admiring the creation mentality, right? Like everything in creation points back to the creator. Not everything I create points back to me, but everything I do, everything I say should point back to the Father. Amen? And I hope this is challenging you. It's challenging me and it's tough. And, and, and like, because I want to be known for something. Like we all want to be known for something. We want to be remembered for something. We want our kids to think we're the best at something. Right? And yet, David, check this out in verse 17. He says, O Lord, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts towards you. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, performing all, and that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. David didn't want anything to be pointed back to him. He wanted everything, everybody's heart, everyone's free will, generosity, everything to be pointed back to the Father. And you say, why? It's because we're messed up, sinful people, and David recognizes it. And David to the people back to God through his generosity. So my question for you is are we discipling in generosity? Are you teaching your kids biblical principles on what to do with their money? Because it's not something we're born with. We're born with a selfish, self-centered, me, myself, and I mentality, and it says, man, if you try to tell me how to do anything with anything that I have, you're gonna get messed up. Because I'm the smartest, and I know how to do it all, and I know what I'm doing, So back off. But one of the things my dad and my mom did really well is they taught us stewardship with what we have. You see, my dad, um, my dad was laid off three or four times from when I was born to now. Uh, He finally just got a job, and he was so excited it almost gave him a heart attack because he had been waiting for so long, uh, which I thought was kind of ironic. But, But my dad taught us, hey, whether we have a lot or whether we have a little, keep your eye on your neighbor. 
Look for ways to serve people that, don't, that you don't know and that don't know you. My dad loved being generous and stewarding his time, talent, and treasure to help people. And not to coax them into coming to church, but because he just loved people and he loved God. And because his heart pointed people back to the Father. Bank is a great way to show your kids money for the first time, right? They start storing up and they start saving and then suddenly it's time to take out a withdrawal for a candy bar or something, right? But, but we as parents and as, as students and as young adults, like, we have to be diligent with showing the next generation how to handle money well, right? Because if we don't steward our time and our talent and our treasures well, our time is going to tell us where to go. Our gifts and abilities are going to tell us what to do, and our treasure is going to guide our heart all around this wicked world. But if we say, hey, Asa, that's my son's name, hey, this, this money, me and your mom have been saving up for a while, and we're going to give this to you, and, and, and we're going to teach you how to budget, and we're going to teach you, hey, like, this is what it means to tithe, and this is what it means to live generously, and hey, you've got these gifts, and you've probably got more of your mom's gifts, because she's the gifted one in the family, right? And you've got all this time, and this is how we steward that well, to love our neighbor, and, and to shepherd those, and to care for those around us. I, I'm certain that when Ace is older, just like when I got older, I didn't forget what my parents taught me. So are we discipling in generosity? So as we close, I'm going to invite the band to come up. I'm going to sing another song. And, and I, I want you to go back to, to verses 10 through 13 where where we see this extreme worship that leads to extreme generosity that leads back to extreme worship. And I want you to really ask yourself during this song, man, am I really worshiping Jesus with all of my heart, with all of my time, my talent, my treasure, or is this a half-hearted approach? Because look, I can't tell half the time unless I talk to you. But in Proverbs it says, the furnace is for gold and the crucible is for silver and the Lord tests hearts. And it's echoed again where it says the crucible or the furnace is for gold, the crucible is for silver and the Lord tests our praise. And David echoes again in Chronicles, hey, Lord, you, you know the uprightness within my heart or you don't. I can't judge the uprightness that's in your heart, but I know God is. And I struggle with worshiping with a full heart and worshiping with a heart totally tied to God because there's stuff that comes in. What I'm asking you today in Mark 6, 38, Jesus said to his disciples, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. What I'm asking you to do is go and see what you can worship with. What time can you tie back to God? What gifts and abilities are you using that you haven't given God the glory for?
right? And what, what treasure, what money do you have that could be used for the kingdom, right? And then I want you to take this card home and I want you to pray through. Say, God, you, you've asked me to wrestle through this, and, but don't leave your time, talent, and treasure here at my feet. Because I'm just a dude, just like, well, some of y'all are dudettes, but I'm just a person. I'm not a God. I'm not a king. If you ask my wife, depending on the day, sometimes I'm not even that great of a guy. And that's okay. I'm real, and I'm going to point you back to the Father as best as I can. Let's pray, church. Father God, we thank you for today. Dad, I, I pray that as we go out today, we would take account and take inventory of our time, our talent, and our treasure. God, and that we would look for ways to intentionally tie it back to your heart instead of tying it to ours. Because you know way better than I do how I should be using my time. Way better than I do best to use my treasure because the earth is yours and the fullness therein. You've made everything. So Father, as we go and wrestle and take account, God, would you convict us? And would you continue to draw our hearts closer to you? And God, as we worship and leave out on this on this beautiful day and it's going to be really warm and it's going to be nice God would we leave with hearts of worshipers God not just of a a half-hearted worship or a begrudging worship but of, of people who rejoiced after being in the presence of God after giving of their time talent and treasure in the presence of God. Because in verse 9 it says, man, they, they rejoiced even more and they were all full and grateful after being in your presence. Father, we love you. And everybody online said, amen. And everybody in the house said, amen. Amen.